Welcome to the F3 QSource podcast with your host, Professor Z. Okay, so we're starting to get more listeners. We're starting to get more attention to this podcast, which I am beyond thrilled about, but I'm going to make a call right out of the beginning. So to my brothers, my F3 brothers who are listening to this, I want you to reach out to me. I need some guests. I want to expand this. I want, I want to make this bigger. I want to get other perspectives because I'm just one. And, you know, I, I want to say that probably around episode four or five, you're going to get tired of hearing, hearing from me. So I'm going to make the request right away in the beginning while I still got you, if I haven't lost you yet. Reach out to me. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a text. I'll put my phone number on there too. Let me know. I, I'd love to have other F3 brothers on here to talk about our lessons. Okay, so I won't I won't harp on that, but I'll move us in. And, and I am going to ask again, and I'm going to keep, I'm just going to start volunteering people. So uh, be careful if I happen to randomly call you, you may find yourself on an episode of our podcast. So let's talk about this week's lesson. So this week's lesson is on meeting. And this is, again, continuing to build off of our first episode, which talked about prayer. Our second episode talked about study. And now this episode is going to talk again about meeting. What is the value of meeting? When we think about meeting, what we're talking about is relationships. Relationships that allow us to influence others. The author, Dancing Idiot, starts off by talking about the value of this, of meeting. And he says this, he does this through meeting, the public manifestation of his faith. Now, there are logistical obstacles to meeting. A man has to get his family up in time, fed, and in the car. He then has to park, find a place in the pew without killing one of his children. Having fought through the logistical obstacles, he may then ask himself why he bothered. He often finds himself sitting next to someone he doesn't much like, someone with whom he would never voluntarily socialize. He may not like the way the service is conducted or the message that is disseminated. He has other things he could be doing, maybe things that he should be doing. And why must he work so hard to get to a place that aggravates him so much? Now, this came to life to me because I, I have been in this position an unlimited amount of times, and I still, to this day, struggle with that. But what we're getting at is right out of the gate here is we're not talking about you know, finding a perfect location, finding a perfect place. I'm going to use an example of church, right? The number of states my wife and I have lived in, we've been a part of a number of churches. Each one has advantages. Each one also has disadvantages. What does a perfect meeting place look like? Where is it that we can connect where everyone is going to be on the same page so we can build all these relationships. And I hope what you're seeing and in, in, in what you're saying to yourself is, well, there's not a perfect place. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. So what is the purpose? What is the reason? Why would we want to go to a place and socialize with others that would have different viewpoints, maybe a approach faith and religion differently? And, and maybe, I mean, come on. Why? Why would we want to do that? 
Well, there's a tremendous amount of reasons why. And I think it's a mindset that we have to challenge ourselves on, that we have to hold ourselves accountable to. Listen, the hymn knows all these reasons not to meet, yet he persists in doing so because he also knows that meeting has a purpose of its own that has little to do with his happiness and everything to do, listen to this here, has everything to do with the outcome for which he is responsible as a leader. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about our influence, our ability to come together and build community. If you think about uh, a workout in F3, we're challenging each other. We're supporting each other. We're lifting each other up. For some, we might know each other outside of the F3 workout, and for others, we might not. But yet, regardless, it doesn't matter. When we're there, we're a community. We're, we're a brotherhood. Well, it's the same thing. What is the purpose? Why go out in public and why have these connections? It's because we want to be able to constantly challenge ourselves. Let's go back to study. Why do we study? It's because we want to learn something new. We want to, we want to approach this differently. We want to challenge our thinking so we can grow. Well, it's the same thing. When we get together, we're meeting new individuals who are going to have different perspectives that it's going to allow us to grow. But it also gives us the opportunity to influence others. It could be really easy for us to self-isolate. You know, man, I got, oh, I got kids, I got work, I got yard work, we got dogs, and we got all that. Just fill in the blank. And it's super easy to say, okay, do I really want to go spend two to three hours somewhere that, man, I just, I just want to get out of there. You know, I could be at home and I could be working on all these other things. To bring us back to our lesson, the next paragraph says, because of all the flux, all men have their ups and downs. We spend some of our time on the mountaintop of our faith life when we want to share our joy with every stranger we meet, but we also have to slog through valleys of spiritual dryness when all we really want is to be left alone to lick our wounds. Now, this is where the lesson really kind of came to life for me. And, and I don't know, Dancing Idiot, what his background is or what the influence was, but I immediately went to an author that I've used a number of times when working with leaders, and his name is David Brooks, and he's got a book, uh, The Second Mountain. And it's a, it's a, there's a lot of info in this book, but I want to focus very briefly on the introduction and what David Brooks proposes and what he puts forward is, imagine two mountains, and in between those mountains are a valley. Now, the first mountain, let's call it success. We work our adult life trying to earn more money, maybe work towards a certain position, maybe accomplish a certain degree, or maybe a certain certification or credential, fill in the blank. But our focus is on money, it's on resources, it's on supplies. While our family is important, our relationships are important, what's more important to us on this first mountain of success is accomplishing those things that we have set out for ourselves. It is a very personal thing. Think about the idea of success. What does that mean? What success looks like to me may look differently to you. And that's fine because that's the first mountain. 
And every mountain is going to look a little different for each of us. Now, when it comes to relationships, we may not be really interested or focused on it because you know what? I got to get to the top. When I get to the top, then I can relax. When I get to the top and I'm making X number of dollars or when I've accomplished a certain level of position, then I can do that. But how often or how many times have we found ourselves striving for the mountaintop only to get there and be disappointed? You know, there have been times in my life where I've thought, if I can only get this or if I can only achieve this, then I'll be happy. Only to achieve it and realize I'm not happy. That's not what I thought it was. In my mind, it was something awesome. But in reality, when I get there, Something's missing. For many of us, we will get to the top of that mountain. We will be disappointed, which is going to cause us to slide back down. And as we slide down the first mountain, we fall into the valley. The valley, again, bringing us back to our article, we have to slog through valleys of spiritual dryness. This is when times suck. Times are hard. Nothing's working. We thought we knew what we wanted, but now all of a sudden we've realized we don't. We're at this point to where, what is the purpose? What is, what is it? I thought I was working to accomplish a certain promotion, a certain dollar amount of money. Maybe it's a material thing. I want to get a certain type of car, or I want to be able to, I don't know, fill in the blank. What is it? We find ourselves in the valley when things aren't adding up. They're not lining up. We're, we thought we were going one way, and we ended up realizing we need to go a different way. And in the valley, we have to make a choice. And our choice can be that we're going to try again on that first mountain. Now, I, I know that my tone and my approach to this may seem like the first mountain is negative. And it's not all negative. But the first mountain is not complete. Again, the first mountain is focused on success. But success can only take you so far. And so when we're in this valley, this low point of our life, we have to choose. Do we want to look back and go after success again? Or do we want to look forward and go after mountain number two? And David Brooks says mountain number two is the mountain of significance. When we start talking about significance, we talk about influence. We talk about relationships. We talk about man's search for meaning, pulling a Viktor Frankl reference here. But we're looking at life in so much more than just success. We allow ourselves to be satisfied in the moment. And our focus becomes, how can I best serve others? How can I find happiness for myself? It, it's almost like this valley is the point where we realize, I don't give a damn what anyone else thinks about me. Because it doesn't matter. They're not paying my bills. They're not making the decisions for me. Yet we get stuck and we get caught on this mountain, worried so much about trying to keep up with others. And as we climb up this mountain of significance, we focus more on our happiness, the wellness of others. There's a specific section in the introduction 
And I want to read a little bit about that. And it says, every once in a while, I meet a person who radiates joy. These are people who seem to glow with an inner light. They are kind, tranquil, delighted by small pleasures, and grateful for large ones. But these people aren't perfect. They get exhausted and stressed. They make errors in judgment, but they live for others and not for themselves. They've made unshakable commitments to family, a cause, community, faith. They know why they were put on this earth, and they derive a deep satisfaction from doing what they have been called to do. But again, life isn't easy for these people. They've taken on the burdens of others, but they have a serenity about them, a settled resolve. They are interested in you, make you feel cherished and known, and take delight in your good. When we think about the second mountain, I want you to think of that. And when you, when you heard me read that, what came to mind? Did you think of a person? Was there somebody that kind of emerged for you where you thought, man, I know someone like that? And if you did, I, I want it to then inspire curiosity around how did they get there? If we go back to our focus of meeting today, how do we build significance? You know, I would argue that some who are on the first mountain of success and their focus is on it, they would say, oh, meeting, meeting's a great way to network so I can take advantage of those that I've gotten to know. Maybe they can give me a connection that will get me a new job or give me a new opportunity where I can really shine. And I hope what you heard in that last paragraph there was I. Whereas if we were to approach it through the lens of significance and meeting through that, then what we would be saying is, who, where is a group or when I meet with others, how can I best serve them? How can I best influence them? This is the power of faith and the secret sauce to why F3 is an effective organization. You know, and Dancing Idiot has a wonderful point there because why do we show up to an F3 event? We make a choice. It's the brotherhood. It's knowing that we can hold each other accountable. And so if we look at the next part of our lesson today, it's to leave a legacy. A man must be competent in the practice of his belief system. We grow our belief system through understanding, through inquiry, through curiosity, through relationships and meeting. Dancing Idiot adds, a man who is an effective leader will be followed while he, while he physically presents to apply direct and proximate influence. If he is effective, he may also be able to exert indirect and less proximate influence outside of his physical presence. How are we planting seeds? When we're on the mountain of success, as we are climbing up, are we planting, are we planting seeds? Or are we just simply climbing as fast as we can to get to the top so then we can figure out what to do then? The mountain of, of significance takes time. It's a journey. It takes a lot of work. We're going to slip. A rope is going to slip on us a little bit. We're going to fall back. 
But climbing the mountain of significance means that we're going to keep going regardless. Even if I slip all the way back down to the valley, I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe that my faith, my community is going to allow me to continue to have that influence. Another major element of why we want to focus on meetings is accountability. How easy is it for us to give excuses? You know, I was thinking uh, this past Wednesday, I, I queued my first workout. And I'll tell you, the day before, while I spent the time prepping and I spent the time going through it, I was thinking, man, you know, I could, my knees are hurting. I think I just want to hang back. I, th- I need to give myself some time, you know, because if I went to a doctor, they'd probably say, oh, just, just rest and give it some time. So, you know, maybe what I should do is I should just call Salt Lake and say, hey, my knees are really hurting me. I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. But then I thought, what kind of an example would that be setting? Here it is. I've just been asked. Responsibility has been placed on me to lead. And I'm going to back out because my knees hurt? What? I mean, do we do that when we go to work? Man, I'm tired. I don't want to get out of bed. Tell you what, I I think I'm just going to stay in bed. I'm not going to go to work. No. We get up. Maybe grumpy. May not like it, but so what? We do it. We're responsible. And so being able to have a community where we can meet and have that, have that connection brings in that accountability that we need to be effective leaders, fathers, brothers, sons, dads. Candor is graciously telling the hard truth and demanding to hear it from others. It is one of the leadership virtues, and without candor, a man cannot be a virtuous leader. If I'm not willing to allow myself to be in a position where somebody can give me feedback so that I can grow and I can be better, then I'm not doing anything. I'm I'm just being a mascot. And if you remember in previous episodes, we talked about a mascot being somebody who can say all the right things, can show up at the right time, be present for the right things, but they're not doing anything. And so if we're not willing to put ourselves into that space, give our brothers trust, then how are we supposed to grow? I really love this, what uh, Dancing Idiot says in the article, and he says, leaders will hide the truth from their followers to avoid accountability for their own failures, but also for a less selfish reason, to avoid bringing them pain. And I want to call something out here because there's a massive assumption we're making. If I show up to a workout, if I show up into a community and I have people that I trust and I have people that I expect to hold me accountable, I would not want them to not tell me something because they think, they assume it's going to cause me pain. When the reality is, that's not, pain is not my choice. I am not responsible for determining whether or not this is going to cause you pain. My responsibility is that I need to be able to provide, hold you accountable. I need to give you that feedback. And if it causes you pain, that's a you thing. Let me say that again. If it causes you pain, that's a you thing. Truth is disruptive. And a weak leader is going to shy away from it. He will be less than candid with his followers and justify it with the delusion that he is sparing them out of love. 
but it's an odd kind of love that leads a man to tell a brother that he is right when his boat is actually capsized. You know, when I think about this, it actually makes me even more mad that if, if my brothers, if my peers are saying and they know, man, Professor Z, you're slacking. You're, you're missing out here. You're not doing what you said you would. If they know that, but they don't want to tell me that because they're doing it, they want to spare me the pain. Screw that. I'm going to be more mad that they didn't tell me. You know, and, and, and an analogy that I'll give to leaders when I'm talking to them is, and especially when you're building a team, spend the extra few minutes in the beginning setting expectations, working through this so that you don't have to spend hours at the end. And here's how that would relate. Build the relationship early. Set the expectation and the foundation that truth is going to be given so that you don't have to try and repair the relationship later. The ability to meet, the ability to build relationships is essential, not only to hold us accountable, but to allow us to grow, to allow us to inspire others, to influence, to plant seeds. I want to encourage you that as you're thinking about what does this mean for me, I would ask you to spend some time reflecting. Where are you meeting? Who are you meeting with? What influence do you have? I'm going to close with the final paragraph that Dancing Idiot gives us. He says, conversely, the absence of hymns in the pews leads to shepherds to grow timid in his willingness to speak boldly and provide truth to his flock. It leads him to reshape his message to appeal to those who are there, those for whom subordination of their will is not a choice that they are capable of making without the influence of a leader. Bottom line is this, the presence of the presence of the hymn holds the shepherd accountable to the truth. As we continue to build on this, going from prayer to study to community and the meeting, I want you to see how these pieces fit together to allow us to continue to grow. I want to encourage you to go forward and go forward boldly. So even if you don't like the event per se, then find joy in the community. Find joy in the meeting with others. Again, I'm going to repeat here. I want some people to join me on this. Let's get a conversation going. I would love to know other perspectives. That's how we're going to be able to make this grow. So let me know. Hit me up, jason at slicoaching.net. And again, I'll put my phone number in the text below. Text me, call me, say, hey, let's do it. And I'll get it set up. It's super simple. It's not hard. You won't get hurt. Really, it's about a conversation. How can we inspire others? How can we influence others? Let's grow this thing. Let's make this what we want it to be. I want to thank you for spending the time listening to the F3 Q Source podcast. And until next time, see you in the gloom.